My name is Adele Campbell. Today's scripture reading is from the Good News according to John, chapter 20, beginning at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went towards the tomb. The tomb, the two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been in Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. When she had said this, she turned round and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, Tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced it to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks be to God.
Let us pray. Gracious God, the miracle is when we hear nothing but our own voices, when we hear nothing but anxiety and fear, you speak. You speak to us and call us by name. We pray that through the power of your Holy Spirit that the risen Christ might be present, walk among his people. And then he may speak each of our names, that he may address us each by name and bring us resurrection life. In his name we pray, amen. So first of all, I can't tell you how glad I am to be celebrating Easter with you all this morning. The last time we had Easter in person was in 2019, believe it or not. Ooh, I'm getting old. (laughs) To be honest, it actually feels longer than 2019. It was a decade ago, in the 2010s. Easter 2019 will always stick out in my mind for a different reason, though. Everyone was gathered in the fellowship hall after the service. I ended up sharing a hot crust bun and a coffee with a woman who I'd never met before. She was maybe in her mid-60s. She was visiting with her family and had been raised in the United Church. Great music, she said. And your church is just so relaxed and so friendly. Plus your sermon, it was just so interesting. Now, at this point, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I'm like, oh. You could have probably observed the gradual swelling of my head as I sat there. Happy Easter to me. I was on a roll. But then after all this fanfare, she eventually asked me this. She said, but do you actually, like, believe this? (laughs) I was a little confused. Uh, Believe what? I asked. You know, she said, you know, the whole Jesus being raised from the dead thing. Do you actually believe this? I was taken a little off guard here. I thought we were talking about how great I was. And then (laughs) suddenly it was a spiritual examination. And I didn't want to scare this person off. So I was, uh, uh, well, I said, uh, you know, it's a a deep mystery. And uh, we human beings use richly symbolic language when we're talking about mysteries. And uh, um, yeah. And she stopped me right there. I don't, (laughs) she said. I don't believe it, mystery or otherwise. Maybe if this was 2,000 years ago or 500 or maybe even 100 years ago, maybe I would, but now we know, now we know that when you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. Now we know that when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Now, this wasn't the first person to say something like this to me. After all, we've worked long and hard as a church, welcoming people no matter where they're at. And doubt, here doubt is a 
natural and accepted part of the life of faith. I wasn't offended, per se. I was more just thrown off by the brutal honesty after Easter. Oh, you don't believe in Easter, eh? Okay, great. (laughs) But you know, this person was just expressing the spirit of our secular age. The Canadian philosopher Charles Taylor said that we've made the move from a society where belief in God is unchallenged and indeed unproblematic to one which it is understood to be one option among others and frequently not the easiest to embrace. Like this visitor said, maybe 2,000 or 500 or 100 years ago, things were different, whereas Easter was much less of a problem for ancient people, our ancestors, and even most of the people living outside of North America and Europe alive right now, for us, it's not the easiest option to embrace. Like this woman said, now we know that when you're dead, you're dead, and that's it. When you're dead, you're dead, that's it. So Easter's a harder sell now than it's ever been. And this much is true. That is absolutely true. We live in a secular age. But the truth is that it's never actually been that easy. It might be harder now, but it's never been that easy to believe in. Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, it's always been a bit of a challenge. And we have no further to look than the Bible. We're told that on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene, one of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, she comes to Jesus' tomb. When she arrives, she finds a big boulder acting as the door. It's been rolled away somehow. Now Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus told his disciples a bunch of times throughout the New Testament that he was going to be crucified and then he'd be raised on the third day. Well, Mary Magdalene's there. It's the third day, so Mary's going to unpack all the party hats and noisemakers, right? Right? Wrong. Wrong. She sprints off to Jesus' right-hand man, Peter, and another unnamed disciple, saying, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and I don't know where they've laid him. She assumes that some grave robin body snatchers broke in and took Jesus Because it's the only rational explanation, right? So then Peter and the other guy run to check out the tomb for themselves. It's empty. There's nobody there. Just the shroud Jesus was buried in and the cloth that was on his head rolled up, you know, neatly and tucked to the sides. So they head back to their respective homes. Nothing to see here. Finally, Mary Magdalene catches up, and she's just overcome with emotion. Jesus is dead. She's crying. She's weeping outside the tomb. Finally, though, she kind of ducks in, you know, because the tomb's kind of in the ground, so she kind of ducks in to peer inside, and we're told there are a couple angels there sitting at the head and the feet of where Jesus' body was. Why are you weeping? They ask. Again, considering Jesus told her that he was going to be raised, you think maybe a couple angels, that would be the little light bulb at the top of the head. Ah, yes! 
right? Wrong. Wrong again. They've taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they've laid him. Still, I mean, it's the only rational explanation. But then it gets even more obvious. (laughs) She turns around, and it's Jesus. (laughs) Jesus is just standing there. He's like, hey, why are you weeping? Echoing the angels. Who are you looking for? You know, it's like, So now she's finally going to clue in, right? Wrong. Yeah, you get it. You heard it already. Wrong, 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 wrong. She figures it's just the gardener. Of course it's the gardener. There's got to be. And again, she says, someone's taken her Lord. Maybe she knows, this guy, this gardener, knows where he's They've laid the body because, of course, it's the only rational explanation. Still doesn't get it. So Mary is this ancient person, open to all sorts of stuff we aren't open to. Jesus said he was going to be raised. On Easter, though, she doesn't immediately think, well, the stone was rolled away, the tomb was empty, guy must be alive again. Hallelujah! Even after Jesus told her he'd be raised, even after a couple angels interrogate her, after that, she still goes to the only rational explanation that somebody came in and took the body. Even after Jesus himself is standing there right in front of her face, it still does not compute. Because it's not the rational explanation. It's because, like us, she also knew that when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. She knew that when you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Easter breaks all our established rules and ideas as to how the world works and as to what is possible. Mary didn't get it. Because it was just as crazy then as it is now. The craziness is kind of the point. It was just as crazy then as it is now. And yet. And yet when she finally clues in, we're told that Mary went and announced to Jesus' disciples, I have seen the Lord. It was just as crazy then as it is now. And yet, here we're gathered on what is almost the 2,000th Easter celebration in a row. We're coming up on it pretty soon. I mean, Jesus was 33. Celebrating with nearly two and a half billion people worldwide. All races and nearly all cultures and languages. You might say it's not too bad for crazy. So as crazy as it may sound, there's got to be something compelling enough about it 
that's worthy of our time and attention for so long. This past week, the New York Times, you know, the product of a secular age, New York Times, published an interview with Timothy Keller. Maybe switch to the next slide. Switch to the next slide. There we go. Keller is the retired pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Manhattan, New York. And despite the fact that Manhattan is one of the most secular places in the entire world, Keller helped to build one of the most successful and influential churches in North America. And that is in addition to being a New York Times bestselling author many times over. Just before the pandemic, though, Keller was diagnosed, diagnosed with stage 4 pancreatic cancer, a cancer that will inevitably kill him. And You know, he's talked about the cloud of sadness and despair that's enveloped his life. When he found out, he sank into a deep, dark depression at the prospect of his death. Like Mary Magdalene, who'd heard Jesus say he'd be raised hundreds of times before, when it came to the actual event of Keller's death, believing was easier said than done. Despite his decades of preaching and teaching Christianity, cancer still hit him like a ton of bricks. Because we all know that when you're dead, you're dead. And that is it. Gradually, though, Keller's faith has been resurrected, you could say. Though his cancer remains the same and time is still running out, his faith has been strengthened, deepened even, and he credits Easter. He credits Easter. In his latest book, Keller writes that our culture has experienced a crisis of hope that so many factors, climate change, the pandemic, global inequality, internet isolation, the breakdown of community life, have conspired to overwhelm so many of us with a sense of doom and despair, of hopelessness. So the interviewer asked him where he finds hope and what kind of hope he wants to communicate to others and here's how he answered. If the resurrection of Jesus Christ really happened, he says, if the resurrection happened, then ultimately, God is going to put everything right. Suffering is going to go away. Evil is going to go away. Death is going to go away. Aging is going to go away. Pancreatic cancer is going to go away. Now, if the resurrection of Jesus Christ did not happen, then I guess all bets are off. But if it actually happened, he says, then there's all the hope in the world. If Easter happened, he says, then there's all the hope in the world. That's the compelling thing about the faith. That's the deeply true, beautiful, and good thing that outweighs 
any of the craziness. That's why we're here for the almost the 2,000th time, because it means that this life is not as closed in, this world is not as fixed as it seems. It's not fated to death, destruction, or despair. If Easter is true, then anything is possible. Anything is possible if Easter is true. Let's add to Keller's list that war is going to go away. Environmental destruction is going to go away. Racism, homophobia, childhood abuse and trauma, broken marriages and failed careers, all our worst deeds and deepest shames. If Easter is true, then as crazy as it may sound, it's all going to go away. Trampled under the feet of the risen Lord. If Easter's true, then there's all the hope in the world. Of course, you still might not buy it. After the service, you know, we may be sipping coffee and nibbling hot cross buns together, circa 19, or 2019, and you might find yourself asking me something like, do you actually believe this stuff? As good as the music, and really it has been wonderful, as friendly as the people may be, we're very friendly. You may leave today just as skeptical as you were before. And you know what? That is okay. Like I said, we've worked long and hard on being a community where people are welcome no matter where they're at with Easter or anything. It's because we believe that if there is a God, this God's got all the time in the world for us. Regardless of how crazy it may seem, though, the one thing I'd like us all to stop, just to stop for a moment, to imagine, what if it is true? What if it is? What difference might that make for you, for me, our world? I can tell you that over the last couple of years, Easter is the thing that has saved me. Easter's the thing that has saved me. If it isn't true, of course, then the world will go on as it always has. Death, sin, suffering. Our lives will end as they've always had, as they always have. When you're dead, you're dead. That's it. When it's over, it's over. That's all. But if Easter is true, then maybe it's not it at all. If Easter is true, then maybe, as crazy as it may sound, there's all the hope in the world. For you and for me and this beautiful world we call home. So friends, here's hoping. Here's hoping. Because Christ is risen.
You've forgotten it over the last couple of years. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah and amen. Please stand and join me in singing Tom West's Alleluia. Hallelujah. 